Welcome to the Better Call Daddy Show, the number one podcast where we admit no matter what happens, daddy has the advice we need to fix our problems. Introducing my dad, Mr. Wayne Friedman. That was good. It would be nice if you could also sing a song. What would the song be? You love Paris in the springtime. I just made up some words to it. I love Rena in the springtime. I love Rena in the fall. <laughs> That's right. That's good enough. <laughs> oh boy. Let's dive in. Today we have Carlos. He's a social media magician, author, entrepreneur, and all-around hustler. Carlos, welcome. First of all, you hacked LinkedIn. So in 2008, I got laid off from the banking industry. I actually started my career in the financial services industry in 2002. A lot of folks that follow me nowadays on social media, they just know me for my book or they might have seen me speak at a conference in the last couple of years. They just assume that I've been doing marketing my entire adult life or my entire career. And that's actually not the case. In 2002, when I started my career at a young age, working for Citigroup, four years of my career, I know a lot about lending and about finance. In 2008, I was working for AIG. I was working for American General Finance, one of their brands, and I was laid off due to the economy. My wife at the time was eight months pregnant, and I was really young, and I didn't have a fallback plan. And this is really the beginning of the Great Recession. So the same day that I lost my job, I joined LinkedIn. Within a few days, I realized I'm not going to find a job anytime soon. This economy is pretty bad. What I did was I got to work starting up my first business, which was an online job board. And you have a startup and you have a young family, you know, it's sink or swim. I found a way to leverage the early days of social media to build a brand for myself, do all the things that today I advocate others to do, you know, which is build a brand, build relationships. I got started 12 years ago doing this. So it's not new for me. In doing so, I really learned how to growth hack LinkedIn as a platform because I realized back then LinkedIn was the world's greatest Rolodex to find people that you're looking to do business with. And I was trying to sell to recruiters. I was trying to sell to you know, directors and VPs of HR. I was trying to sell my startup online job board. In doing so, I realized that LinkedIn had certain features that they've since taken away because of savage marketers like myself. One of those features was you used to be able to export your entire connections list. The other functionality that LinkedIn had back then was you could create groups and then you could create various templates. So whenever someone would request to join a group, LinkedIn would send them an automated email. I realized, oh, wow, like I can create groups for all these different cities across the United States. Within about a matter of a year, I was able to build and farm a list of about 100,000 email addresses. And it was a variety of recruiters, people that were looking for jobs. The irony is that the people that ended up finding jobs, many of them have ended up following me since then. I've been able to really build a following over the years. And ultimately, I went to go work at LinkedIn 2015. I read in your book that you landed a job at LinkedIn in an Uber after you hacked LinkedIn. Oh my God. Tell me about that. I was interviewing for a different job. This recruiter gets into the Uber. She's in workout gear and we're sitting in the backseat. You know, I'm just, you know, creating small talk. She asked me like, what are you doing? What brings you into San Francisco? So I told her, she's like, oh, I work for a social network. And I asked her which one? And she said, LinkedIn. And I said, really? And that was like a light bulb moment that went off. And I told her a abbreviated version of this story of, of the impact that LinkedIn had made on my career up until that point. She gave me her business card and said, if the job that you just interviewed for doesn't work out, give me a call. I got the job and you know, the rest is history. I believe you got to speak in front of Jeff Weiner. I did. First day on the job at LinkedIn, you go to Mountain View to headquarters. They make you stand up and say like one thing that's not on your LinkedIn profile. 
I stood up and said, I'm here today because I learned how to hack LinkedIn's platform to build a business and build a career. Jeff, the CEO at the time, was really impressed. Like, wait a minute, what, what did I just hear? How did you hack our platform? So I broke everything down for him. And they probably installed some guardrails after that. It's the power of hustling, right? It's, it's also the power of now. My advice to anyone that's listening to this or watching this, go with your gut, go with your intuition. You're going to piss some people off along the way. But Can you talk a little bit about your Snapchat platform? It's interesting because I was working for Winn-Dixie at the time. The key that a lot of social media managers is oftentimes you're operating as a very small team. Even though you're integrated within various functions throughout the organization and various silos, like you're a very small team, you don't have a lot of resources. So you have to get scrappy. I work for a brand that would spend on an annual basis $97 million into print advertising being the weekly circular, and then only 3 million would go into digital. I started doing research on what was up and coming because I feel like when I came to Winn-Dixie, we were a little bit late to the party. It was a Thanksgiving dinner. And my sister-in-law, who at the time, fourth or fifth grade, she was real young, she says to me, hey, like, are you on Snapchat? And I'd read about Snapchat. My take of it was, you know, oh, isn't, isn't Snapchat like where the kids are, you know, sending inappropriate photos? I didn't want to be there. It's kind of like TikTok. Today, I joined Snap. I've always been one of these people that before I knock something, get to understand it before you really determine this isn't for me or it's not for my business. I think a lot of marketers, they hear, they get wind of, you know, oh, a Snapchat's for a younger audience, a TikTok's for a younger audience. Oh, Twitch is only for video gamers. And then they just don't embrace it. I was pushing Snapchat to marketers, you know, at Social Media Marketing World and all these different conferences. And they would all kind of look at me and roll their eyes like, ah, oh, here's the Snapchat guy again. What I liked about Snapchat in the early days of Snapchat was the simplicity behind it. It was just about messaging. There was no stories. There was no broadcast to the world. It was really just a utility to engage with people one-on-one -on -one off of the noise that occurs on Twitter, or on Facebook, or on Instagram. And then Snapchat introduced stories. They were the first social network to introduce this form of micro content, short stories without having to create a YouTube video. You know, I had started creating YouTube videos in 2014. And I'll be frank with you, back then, I didn't have the persona, if you will, that I had today. And I think my videos that I was creating in 2014 were just lame. So what I started doing when Snapchat came out with stories was I just started documenting. My day in the life as a marketer, I started giving marketing tips. I was you know, really early to market along with Gary Vee with using Snapchat as a platform to teach. And little by little, started incorporating a little bit more personality. I like hip hop culture. It caught on. I'd say that of all the social networks that I've been on, Snapchat's probably where I got that brush of Insta fame. And then, you know, Snapchat kind of went through a little decline. Instagram started rolling out a lot of the same features and Instagram became the hot, sexy, trendy social network. But once you've been doing this for 12 years, you realize this all operates in ways and I personally enjoy now seeing the younger audience, if you will, the, the Gen Zs of the world doing their thing on TikTok. I realize everyone has their turn. I'm enjoying the stage where I'm at in my career, where I'm a little bit older now. I've got some experience under my belt. I consult for companies. I've got a book. I do speaking. I get an opportunity to chat with awesome people like you Aww. on their podcast. It's definitely been a, a fun ride. I have a new company now called Outlaw Masks. I'm really enjoying taking everything that I've learned over the last decade and up into a fashion startup brand like i think that in itself is really really dope how did you hook up with ja rule 
So I met Ja Rule in 2017 at South by Southwest. And again, you never know who's in the room, right? Back then, Snapchat spectacles were really popular. I don't know if you remember spectacles. They were the Snapchat sunglasses, the most brilliant marketing campaign I've probably ever seen around creating FOMO. So they came out with these glasses that you could hit and it would record everything around you and then it would sync with your phone and then you could share onto Snapchat what your spectacles recorded. They only created like a limited amount of glasses and in order to sell them, you would have to go to these vending machines, these like pop-up vending machines. You wouldn't know where they would be at. It would be like random. They would give like one little clue and then like everyone on Twitter, on Snapchat, on social media would try to figure out the clue. Some people would it out. It was, it was a whole thing. This is at the end of 2016. People were trying to get spectacles. And I go South by Southwest. I got my spectacles. Much to my surprise, no one else had a pair because it was such a hard item to find except Mr. Ja Rule. So I go to this party and someone invites me to go to like the balcony overlooking this party. Ja Rule is there with spectacles. I'm a big Ja fan from you know, his music back in the day when I was growing up. If you look at my South by Southwest 2017 vlogs, you'll see when I meet Ja for the first time, I was like, hey, like someone got spectacles. And we took a little selfie together. It was real corny. All his fire stuff happened shortly after that. This was maybe a month before Fire Festival. It wasn't until a year or two ago that I reconnected with Ja in LA at another party. I just walked up and I was like, hey man, you know, you're probably not gonna remember me. I met you at South by Southwest. We both had the spectacles on. And then he was like, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've gotten to know Josh since. I think that's just kind of his personality because he meets a lot, a lot of people. I just said something to him like, dude, like I saw those documentaries, man. Like, I'm so sorry for what you went through. By the way, I write for Entrepreneur Magazine as a freelance contributor. I'd love to do a piece with you over at NASDAQ. That's how our relationship really formed. He gave me his number. I sent him a text the next day. We linked up in New York a couple weeks later. I believe that the universe connects people for a reason. If you treat a celebrity like a regular human being and you don't come off as like a fanboy, your fangirl and you're just cool with them, then they'll be cool with you. Even like big influencers like your Gary V's of the world, I bring him up because for some reason, at the beginning part of my career, every time I would meet Gary Vee, my hands would clam up. I'd get like all nervous and stuff. And then I got to a point in my career where it's like, he knows me, I know him. It's like, you know, hey, what's up? So many people meet celebrities, they come off like they want something from them. I think what happens is a lot of people, they will meet celebrities or people with really big followings because they have ulterior motive and they want something. My advice for people out there, if you come across with someone that's got a sizable following of any kind, see what you can do for them. See what value you can offer. You know, I'm a big proponent of value exchange. In essence, he brought me into his ecosystem. There was someone who gave me money for a sponsorship for a Gary Vee event. And I asked him if he wanted to be on my podcast and he didn't like some of the subject matters which I am approaching. What I find is like the problem today with like cancel culture is people, if they get rubbed off a certain way, like they don't look at things from all angles and all perspectives. Just like, no, I'm not gonna, not gonna F with this person. For as great as these tools are, referring to like social media specifically, they also, they can be a detriment to like basic humanity. You can't please everyone. I think early on in my career, you look at someone like Gary and seemingly everyone loves him. But I'm sure down below the surface, there's got to be people that don't. The older you get, those people really don't matter. What matters is not even what's on social media. It's your family. It's your own well-being. It's your own health. When I sat down and wrote my book, this is probably going to rub some legacy marketers the wrong way. 
way. I'm, I'm taking shots at the industry. I have very bold statements I make in the book, such as influencer marketing doesn't work. You can't just judge me off of one sentence. You have to read a little bit deeper. There's always going to be a critic out there, but you got to take the good just like you, you take the bad. It's not just about numbers. It truly is about speaking from the heart. That goes back to the premise of my book, which is you know, humanizing your brand in this era of, of social media and AI. The book I wrote has more relevance in today's market because of COVID, because of you know the civil unrest here in our country. People really don't want to be sold to. They want to be engaged. They want to hear real stories from real people. When you turn on the TV nowadays, you're seeing a lot of negativity. Same thing on social media. Everyone has an opinion about COVID. Everyone has an opinion about Trump. Everyone has an opinion about something. So I think that we need to get to a point where we put stories back into context. And I think we've gotten away from that. We read a lot of headlines. These are the type of stories that need to be put out there in the world. Social media is such a beast. How did you learn it all? It's just A-B testing. Testing out new features, new things, see what happens. That's really what you have to do. You just got to test things out and see what works. You know, I think so many marketers are just afraid to take risks. You won't get an outcome if you don't take a swing. So what's next for you and how can people find you? You can find me at carlosgill83 on Twitter and on Instagram. What's next for me? Stay tuned and you'll find out, but that would be the easy answer. I'm going to start writing my second book. It's going to be a follow-up to the end of marketing, Growing Outlaw Masks. Go to outlawmasks.com. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time and thank you for the opportunity. Let's hear from my daddy. So did you learn anything from Carlos? Well, I heard from Carlos and it's very interesting where was working in the insurance industry. Sounds familiar, Rena? <laughs> and in 2008, he found out even though he was developing skills and being able to try to meet people and sell people a product, he found himself all of a sudden out of a job and being in the insurance industry, just like being in real estate, you have to be able to build a following. You have to be able to build a network. It takes time to be able to make all these contacts and they have to stay current. And he says, you know what? I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to develop my skills on the internet. I'm going to reach out to people and see what happens. That's called reinventing yourself, which is what the American dream is all about, is that you don't quit when you get fired. You have to figure out what talents you have, what new skills you need to learn and develop them. And you have to learn to say, let's go for it. If you put yourself out there and you show that you're real, his networking skills improved. And he's been able to not only run his own business, but actually take his experiences and write them down. And again, where he's willing to share them with others. And all of a sudden now he's an author. You like that? Was that good enough? Hell yeah, that was good enough. It's amazing. You're amazing. Thank you. You know what your problem is? You like me. You know what I just saw on Shark Tank? What? Manscaped. He got a deal for 25% of the business is, is owned by Mark Cuban and that Lori girl. What do you think of Manscaped? They were hilarious. They got themselves a very good deal. I think they're selling millions of dollars worth of this stuff. It's a very nice looking kit. A father and a son has put it together. I think they're going to do very well with it. Manscaped. A well-groomed man is so attractive, don't you think? Buy any custom engineered grooming care from manscaped.com and receive your 20% off using the code BCD. Better call daddy. If you found that entertaining, don't forget to subscribe. Add Better Call Daddy podcast on IG at Rena Friedman Watts on LinkedIn.com.